Today's episode of the Film Stage Show is brought to you by MUBI, a curated streaming service that is dedicated to elevating great cinema from around the globe. For your free 30-day trial, go to mubi.com slash filmstage. back ladies and gentlemen to a brand new episode of the film stage show the movie review podcast for the filmstage.com as always i'm your host brian j rowan with me today we have robin Barr. hello <laughs> okay that was what is this know. me saying hello hello, hello. <laughs> that it's it's almost like you were doing a um a an impression of uh, one of the people in this movie we're about to talk about, uh, Richard Kind. Oh, mm. okay. I'll take Hello. that. I'll, I'll say that that was <laughs> on purpose, intentional, and very well done. Okay, yeah, that was perfect. Uh, with us today, because Bill is not here, uh, we are going right to our guest, the man, the myth, the legend. It's PJ Grissar. Hi, how are you? I'm doing very well. How are you? Oh, I'm doing okay. Doing all right. Really rainy day in New York right now, but uh, oh my god, happy this... to be inside and recording. <laughs> it has been a yeah. gross goddamn weekend. Like all Friday, it rained. Saturday was like sort of fine towards the middle of the day, and then it's just been raining since then. Yeah, same here in Boston. Yeah, man, mm-hmm. the East Coast. Yeah, yeah we suck. Something's rental. <laughs> yeah. We need to live in Wasserton, California. Wasserman. <laughs> No, Wasserton. That was the name of the town. I thought it was Wasserman. No, they're the Wasserman family. Right. I and thought then... they were the Wassermans and like they were so rich that they had their own town. Yeah, it was Wasserton. Yeah, that's yeah, I think that's the idea, but they they made it into Wasserton. Oh, so it yeah. wasn't so, okay. It, I must have Yeah. I mean, we'll get into it. Um <laughs> right. uh yes, we are here today to talk about Bo Wasserman, a man who is deeply scared in the movie Bo is Afraid. This, the newest film from writer-director Ari Aster. Uh, this one stars Joaquin Phoenix. Uh, this man continues to get incredible actors to be in his stuff. Um, before we talk about that, uh, PJ, would you like to introduce yourself to our audience? Let them know a little bit about yourself. Yeah, sure. Uh, so my name's PJ. Uh, I'm a culture reporter for The Forward. Forward's a 126-year-old Jewish paper that started as a Yiddish socialist broadsheet and... Uh, is now an online native uh, publication. And uh, I cover TV, movies, art, books, um, and sometimes three-hour films. Uh, the longest one before this was Awful's The Sorrow and the Pity, which is four hours, and um, I had a better time watching. That sounds like a movie Brian would absolutely watch. Uh, a four-hour movie called The Sorrow and the Pity? That's like, yeah, know, that's, that's more your of a dream. Michael Snydell thing. No, it's Please. not. I want a one-and-a-half-hour movie called Oh My God, This House is Full of Spiders. <laughs> <laughs> That's you almost that's, got that with Renfield. <laughs> I know, <laughs> I know. Like Robin, you know that book that we were talking about, right? Whalefall. Like yes, that's my platonic. My <laughs> that's my platonic ideal of a movie. Is this yeah. tr- this traumatized person has to work through their emotional issues by fighting a wild animal in some way? Damn, that's sort of like the patient. The patient. But, yeah, didn't you tell me how much you love the patient, and then I watched it? And oh, really- yeah. No, wait, was that called The Patient? I think it was called The Patient. Yeah, yeah. it's like 
where uh, Steve Carell is the yeah, therapist. He's locked and, up, yeah. but the wild animal is a serial killer. Um, yeah, Donald Gleason, who's really hot in that show. Good, such a good fucking show. Um, yeah, that yeah. was great. But he works out all his stuff, his like familial pathos. Yeah. While, man. You know, Again, yeah, shockingly, it, shockingly Jewish show. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it definitely sort of, I, I wasn't even thinking of the two of them together, but if we're, we're talking about, you know, things that are really diving into uh, the, the Jewish psyche, I feel like, uh, <laughs> I feel like that one sort of um, hit the mark a bit more precisely than this one, but we, we can get into that later. Oh my God. If we, I really yeah, enjoyed I, the patient. <laughs> if we can secretly turn this entire episode into a, like, co-review of the patient, I'm going to be so excited. <laughs> <laughs> or Fleischman is in trouble, or you know, are you there, God? It's me, Margaret. These Fleischman are all... <laughs> is in trouble was also incredible. Um, yeah, that was th- that was like a period in time where like everything that I was reading was about like single fathers whose wives like just disappeared and fucked off and left them alone with children. And oh, I was you mean like, your I feel, biography? I was like, oh, I feel very seen <laughs> in this cultural moment. I'm glad to know that I'm exemplifying. You know, between Fleischman is in trouble and the new Ian McEwan novel Lessons, I was like, hey, this is a great time to be me. (laughs) Oh, man. Um, If we could also somehow slip in some talk about Peter Pan and Wendy, that would be great because that covers uh, what I wrote about this past week. Coming of age, man. That's right, baby. I got another written review up on the film stage. I don't even know how long it's been since I've done a written review. Don't usually have the time for it. Um... But yeah, yeah, that's awesome. Um, uh, before we get into everything, though, even though we see it, we are clearly champing at the bit to get into <laughs> it, um, I would like to remind everyone that we can be found on Twitter, uh, at Film Stage Show, Facebook, The Film Stage Show. You can email us, podcast, thefilmstage.com, give us a comment or rating on iTunes or whatever podcatcher you use. And uh, don't forget to go to patreon.com slash thefilmstageshow to uh, give us your money and become part of our Slack channel, where you can talk about all manner of of awesome or crazy or inane things with us. Uh, We would love to see you there. And don't forget that we are brought to you by Mubi, uh, the curated streaming service that is dedicated to elevating great cinema from around the globe. From iconic directors to emerging auteurs, there's always something new to discover. With Mubi, each and every film is hand-selected, so you can explore the best of cinema streaming anytime, anywhere. Uh, They had a a tweet earlier this week and it was uh, about Larry Clark's film Bully. Uh, do we have any uh, Larry Clark fans on this uh, here podcast? Uh, I mean, I like kids. Does anyone really like kids? Like, yeah, I think it's a great film. <laughs> I like. I agree that it's a great film, but there is a part where it's like I don't think I could ever allow myself to say like, "God, kids, fucking love it." I yes, I would. Okay, well that's cool. Well, I don't uh, have that moral line. <laughs> Well, I mean, look what it gave us. Uh, Rosario Dawson, uh, Chloe Sevigny, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, well, there's some great hey, Harmony Corrin or whatever. Yeah, Harmony. Yeah. yeah, he was like 17 or something working on that. Crazy. Oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> Fucking Larry Clark and kids. Anyway, uh, there's some other great stuff on there that I just want to highlight before we talk about uh, the movie podcast. There's Haywire, uh, Steven Soderbergh's film uh, that stars. Um, oh, why can't I remember her name right now? Was that the Gina Carano That's one? That's it, and then, Gina Carano, um, yeah. And but Michael all Fassbender. her lines were, were ADR'd, I think. 
It seemed like it, yeah. Um, and then we've yeah. also got some awesome Lars von Trier on there. We've got Dogville and Manderley, which are Woo, incredible. Dogville! Dogville rules, um, Dogville as rules. far as I remember. <laughs> and then, of course, like I said, there's Larry Clark's Bully. Um, so there's a lot of great shit on there. So you should 100% get on top of it and uh, go check out Mubi. And um, I would like to also remind people that Mubi isn't just all about uh, showing you great cinema. It's also about talking about great cinema. So we talked last month about their uh, notebook. But we also have the Mubi podcast. The award-winning Mubi podcast returns for its third season. Needle on the Record, a six-episode mixtape for film lovers. Each episode explores an iconic needle drop that has become part of pop culture. Maybe... (laughs) They'll take a couple from Bo is Afraid at some point. (laughs) From the 19th century waltz that launched Stanley Kubrick's 2001 A Space Odyssey into orbit to the 80s cover tune that Donnie Darko sent to the top of the UK pops. Guests include director Richard Kelly, actor Jenna Malone uh, from The Hunger Games, music supervisor Randall Poster, and musicians Noel Hogan of the Cranberries and Paul Douglas of Toots and the Maytals. Uh, listen and follow wherever you get your podcasts. So check Jenna that. Malone's great. Oh, yeah, she's great. She was in the movie that I love to bring up all the goddamn time because I'm Bastard out of Carolina. Not the one I was going for. Uh-huh. I will continue to solicit uh, people's guesses, though. Uh, what else was she in? She was in the Step Messenger. <laughs> nope, nope. None of you are gonna guess this. This mm. is like a movie that doesn't exist. Mm. No, no one. I will give you a hint. It's got Ryan okay. Gosling in it. Um, Lars and the Real Girl. No, it's also got Place Kevin Beyond Sp- the Pines. Nope. Uh, it's got uh, Kevin Spacey in it. Oh, Mich- Michelle Williams, Don Cheadle. This is sounding like some Soderbergh movie. I don't know. (laughs) Yeah, one of the 20 films he made. No, (laughs) it's the United States of Leland. Oh, never seen it. The movie that I bring up all the time because its existence (laughs) is absurd and I still don't understand it. And I keep joking about the fact that one of these days I'm going to write the book on the United States of Leland. um, And maybe one day I will. I just got to track down uh, Matthew Ryan Hogue to talk to him about (laughs) his writing and directing on the United States of Leland. Is legitimately, wow. if I ever got a chance to be in a room with Ryan Gosling, like for whatever whatever he's doing, it could be the most important movie of his career, and I'd just be like, I'd like Barbie. to take the final twenty minutes of this interview to talk about the United States of Leland. We hmm. play a uh, mentally disturbed young man who kills a uh, developmentally disabled boy. Great! <laughs> that sounds like such a joy, Dude. Yeah, and I was the one who was off saying you would want watch a movie called The Sorrow and the Pity. Okay, first of all, I watched the United States of Leland back in like the early 2000s when anything that had a trailer before a Focus Features release on DVD, I wanted to watch. So I've matured since then. It's been 20 goddamn years. Mm-hmm. Um, what was I going to say? Uh, movie. I think we're still talking about movie. So I'm just yeah. going to say, remember to go to movie.com slash filmstage for a free 30-day trial subscription so you can check out all of Von Trier that's on there. Um, the Soderbergh and uh, everything else that's cool and awesome. Again, that's mubi.com slash film stage for a whole month of great cinema for free. So that we are is... living in Lars von Trier, von Trier's world, and there's nothing we can do about it. Lars von Trier in the real world. 
No, I'm just saying, like, we're living in his world. I know, this but is, I was making a spin it. on Lars and the Real Girl. Oh, uh, I didn't yeah. catch that. You didn't very clearly. <laughs> I I love Lars von Trier. I mean, which is weird to say. Like, I don't love him as in terms of the stupid shit that falls out of his mouth, but <laughs> he makes some good movies. That's funny because I hate his movies, but I love everything that he says. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Ew. You have the Nazi shit? Ah, <laughs> uh, man. I don't know. I, I don't listen to the uh, the interviews that my favorite directors give because I'm afraid of what it'll make me think of them. Exactly. I'm Never very much trying heroes. to. I don't try to separate the art from the artist. I try to like put a goddamn firewall between the art and the artist. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I feel you. Can't love shit otherwise. So anyway, now that we've talked about that, let's talk about what is clearly a deeply personal film to the writer and director Ari Aster. Uh, that is Bo is Afraid. Um, I'm just going to read the log line from IMDb. Actually, no, I'm not. Oh, please do. Yeah, well, no, no, I want to know it. I want to know what they have to say. I have a, I have a question for, for all of you. Uh, we're yeah. 13 <laughs> minutes in. Um, is it a spoiler to say that his mom dies? No. Okay. It's I, kind of, mm, <laughs> I, I, yeah, I read enough review. I, I read enough reviews that mentioned that his mom dies. Okay. Um, Cause I, that it doesn't seem. Yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm okay. I'll take your word for it. Cause I walked out of my distillery. I was like, sorry guys, got to leave early. I got to check out Bo is afraid. And people are like, what the goddamn hell is Bo is afraid. <laughs> and I said, it is a movie about a man with like extreme anxiety who is going to see his mother. And they just stared at me. And I said, I swear to God, that's what the log line is. Um, I was completely unaware that she died. So I was shocked when that happened, I was like, oh, this is a surprise. I was fairly certain from the trailer that sh- she was who he was going to see. I was <laughs> but anyway, um, his mom dies. Uh, and so I will read the IMDb description, which is following the sudden death of his mother. Boom. A mild mannered but anxiety ridden man confronts his darkest fears as he embarks on an epic Kafkaesque journey back home. How do you feel about yeah. that, Robin? <laughs> Or it's the Jewish Lord of the Rings, as Ari Aster keeps oh, saying. <laughs> oh, boy. All right. We're going to have fun talking about this. Anyway, here is the trailer. I am so sorry for what your daddy passed down to you. But I wanted a child. The greatest gift of my life. I'm visiting my mother tomorrow. It's mom. I'm just calling to say that I'm so, so, so excited to see you tomorrow. All right. So that is the opening of the trailer for Bo is Afraid. Always love a super tramp drop. Um, (laughs) (laughs) One of my favorite lines of uh, dialogue from the show Veep is someone said that would be like trying to explain super tramp to a Komodo dragon. That's like (laughs) my favorite sentence that ever has been spoken in the English language. So... (laughs) I don't know what that's very evocative. Yeah, right. It's it's like, how would you even? Yeah. How would you even begin to do that? Um, But anyway, I've said super tramp enough. Uh, Let's talk about this movie. We begin, as always, with our nutshell thoughts um, before we move into our spoiler section. And uh, we'll begin with our guest. PJ, what do you think of Ari Aster's Bo is Afraid? I mean, in some sense, it, it felt like a provocation uh, for me mm. specifically, <laughs> you know, as someone who is, you know, writing about uh, 
film and entertainment for a Jewish publication for him to come out and uh, say that this is the Jewish Lord of the Rings, which, I mean, first of all, I think just kind of Exodus through Deuteronomy is Jewish Lord of the Rings. Um, <laughs> I can get into that, but we don't really need to. And then, you know, Genesis is kind of the Silmarillion. And, and so Hobbit. Judaism <laughs> is Jewish Lord of the Rings. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess, you know, we have thought. our texts. Um, yeah, but um, yeah, so he sort of, he, he, he kind of um, made that premise. And then uh, I actually had a, a weird experience, a, a sort of, uh, Wasser money and I uh ordeal, I guess you could say, because I actually went to see it on Sunday at the Lincoln Center IMAX, which is the biggest one in the city. Um, and about an hour in, uh, the film shut off, the lights went up, people are like, Is Ari Aster gonna pop out? And then no, they just uh made us leave the theater because a high rise that was attached to the theater had caught on fire. So <laughs> I, I had to go back and uh, see it on Tuesday. Uh, but uh, yeah, so I had sort of a weird experience of it. But I really did enjoy the the sort of, um, it, it doesn't really fall into three acts neatly. It's kind of like four acts and then like a couple little like interludes. Um, but yeah, I guess my thoughts were, um, I'm, I'm fine to kind of take this as him just riffing and... It sort of felt like he thought that A24 wouldn't make him let him make another movie, so he just sort of crammed everything in there. <laughs> uh, yeah, but but basically, you know, my, my thing with Ari Aster is there's always something in his movies that feels like it doesn't quite belong and could be cut for time, and this is just like a whole lot of it. Um, but yeah, um, within the framing of Jewish Lord of the Rings, I don't think that this is a Jewish movie unless you are buying into some really noxious and um, shop-worn tropes about Jewish mothers. <laughs> so that's just sort of my take, but. <laughs> All right. Robin Barr, what about yourself? Yeah, um, you know, my husband and I, well, I don't know why I'm bringing Nick into this, but I guess because he sees all movies with me. We really loved the first uh, two Ari Aster movies that we've ever seen, which are Hereditary and Midsommar. And um, I was really, really looking forward to this. And I did not watch the trailer. I did not read any reviews. I did not know what this movie was about at all, uh, except that it was starring Joaquin Phoenix. There may have been some fantasy elements in it. And there was Jewish mother issues. That's all I knew. <laughs> and we decided to see an IMAX. <laughs> we were one of those people. And it did not disappoint for us um, and for me specifically. I really loved it. I was not bored once, which I know uh, might be not Brian's experience. Um, I was just really taken with the visual gags. Like I loved everything I was just taking in on screen. Um, I am easily habituated to movies. So it's really hard for me to rewatch movies like within a certain time frame. Like I have to wait like five years to rewatch a movie most, most times. Um, but as soon as this, as soon as the movie's over, I just kept thinking, I really got to see this one again. It was like uncut gems all over again, where it's just like, I, I need to revisit this story. Um, there are issues with it. I'm, not, I'm, you know, PJ, I really wanted you on to have a sort of, I, I liked your take about how this is like a very shallow or surface Jewish film. I couldn't disagree with you. And I, I'll 
certainly get into why I felt like it was not really as Jewish as I think Aster has been, you know, claiming it is. Um, but I, I just really enjoyed it. I think Joaquin Phoenix is one of the best actors of out there currently right now and of his generation, you know, he's such a classic Gen X. Um, he just like thrills me every time. I think Patty Lupone is amazing in this movie. Um, and yes, she is fulfilling tropes. I don't disagree with you there. And we'll certainly again, get into it, but I, I just had such a good time with it. There were elements where I was like, this is not as well paced as I had wanted it to be. Mm. Um, especially in the, in the middle where I was just like, let's move on from here. But the level of just anxiety, cringiness, awkwardness that I felt watching it really deeply satisfied me. So yeah, I had a good time. It's like picking a scab. Oh, and that's <laughs> me 100%. Like I am I am oh, the epitome of now. Jewish OCD and <laughs> <Wasn't> <laughs> that's who, what it feels wasn't like. Wasn't it you who said something like oh, oh, what was it? It was like was it when we were talking about baby Annette like the weird puppet and you were like, yes. don't you like sometimes love smelling things that smell awful? Yeah. Yeah. That's fucking weird, man. <laughs> no, um, that's me. <laughs> oh, that is You're also fucking like... weird, man. <laughs> so don't you like sometimes like biting the part of your tongue that hurts? No. What? I studiously <laughs> avoid doing things that harm and displease me. Don't you like listening to annoying music? Again, no. Okay, so the closest I could get to agreeing with you <laughs> is that I will sometimes watch episodes of like the newsroom or Studio Sixty on the Sunset Strip. Okay, that's just masochism. Because that's Aaron Sorkin annoys well, me. That's in what you're such, talking about. It annoys me in such a specific way that I'm like, okay, this is good. This is what I need. Also, like, I don't know if anyone follows me on Twitter, but you saw me tweet out if you do follow me on Twitter, that I watched a movie specifically to try to induce a nervous breakdown this week. Um, I did not see this, my dear. Yeah. So uh, this week was the uh, like, I don't know, something at the anniversary of a friend of mine killing himself. And so in order to, in order to work up that feeling and kind of like attempt to just dislodge the dam of like Irish that holds my emotions back. Yeah. I watched T2 train spotting, hoping that it would induce a nervous breakdown Yeesh. and it sort of worked. Um, so hooray for me. Oh so, my yeah. God. It's like you had a, you had to get the little calcium pebble out of your urethra. Precisely. <laughs> it was exactly okay, that, okay. like that. Um, I understand. Usually I T2 watch. T2 is kidney stones. Yeah. Usually yeah. <laughs> I watch uh, the leftovers the word. <laughs> in order to do it. Or Manchester by the Sea. I decided oh this year God, to do Oh my God. You are such. You are such of your ilk. Like, I, I don't am, even know what that is. I am indeed of my ilk, I guess. Like, I don't know. <laughs> men who are like literary, but in a bad way. Men would literally watch T2 train spotting rather than go to therapy. <laughs> <laughs> would watch the leftovers period <laughs> <laughs> i love the leftovers leftovers is great i'm one mm. of the few weirdos who prefers the first season where damon lindelof clearly was suicidal i actually do <laughs> think this first season is the most interesting but that's because i love carrie coon and carrie she's coon the best great. in that season she and has anyway. a lot more to do in all the other seasons though like they make her more of a, a main person i feel yeah, but she has that element of mystery that first season. Yeah, yeah. She hires hookers to shoot her in the chest. It's fun. Um yeah. Anyway, everyone check out The Leftovers. <laughs> I haven't checked so out. Do, yeah. I haven't looked at Damon Lindelof's new series, uh, Miss Davis. 
That oh, I have just actually. Is so it good? Dumb. Uh it's interesting. All right. It's definitely <laughs> interesting. It exists. You didn't say like, no, like so that works. If if you like British Knights sneakers and um, Betty Gilpin and um, you know a, a very interesting take on like uh, an Arthurian quest, it's uh, it's you, you, maybe your speed. But there is an, that's there also is enough a very there specific thing in what you yeah. said that I am interested. Yes, um, it so looks like I'm okay. This is just like a little. This is a Robin rant, but I'm so sick of ass kicking nuns. It is. Just everywhere, like I, I watched it in the Last Kingdom. I watched it in Hunters. Unfortunately, uh, I mm. saw a show called <laughs> Warrior Nun. Unfortunately, Warrior Nun. Yeah, I'm just over it. Like the irony does nothing for me. Why do I have to watch an ass kicking nun? I just hate it. Ugh, Hunters. That's a whole other thing. <laughs> oh right, Hunters had an ass kicking nun. I watched the first season of Hunters, and I was like, that was all right. And then I never started the second. You no, just don't. It I <laughs> as far as I'm aware, as far as because I never actually watched the first season, I watched the second season. The first season ends on such a good twist that the second season could never fulfill and it does not fulfill. So well, the first the first season ends with boys from Brazil, basically. Exactly, yeah, yeah. exactly. But and season two just can't stick the landing. It's terrible. It also felt like the first three episodes should have been the pilot. Like it should end with this kid joining the hunters. But that's a problem that a lot of streaming shows have where they're like, we've got this great like Mm. setup and it's like, Oh cool. I can't wait to watch that. And then it's like six episodes into the first season. You're like, is that the setup? We're not there yet. Yeah. Good conceit, bad execution. Yeah. It's Mm. like, Oh, well we don't want to give it to you right away. Like that's for the second season. It's like, no, that's for the first season. That's why I'm here. Which is one of the things that I love about Ozark, a show that went on too long. But I do love that it starts Mm, and it's just like Marty Bird is literally already the protagonist of this. He's already working for the Mexican cartel. We don't have to wait for him to break bad. He's pretty fucking bad already. And I was like, oh, good. Oh, great. This is perfect. No hero slash villain origin story. Right. It's not like, here's mild-mannered Marty Bird. It's like, he shows up and he's like, hi, I'm already a fucking nightmare. (laughs) It was great. Um, The only thing that happens in the pilot, I think, is he finds out that uh, Wendy's cheating on him. Well, no, the the pilot actually moves pretty briskly because he's like, he finds out his wife is cheating on him. He goes home and then he gets a call and it's like, hey, your fucking friend fucked you over and um, now the cartel's going to murder you. And he's like, "Uh, uh, I have an idea. And the cartel's like, all right, go try to execute that. And then they like murder his wife's lover and threaten his family. Oh, yeah. And like it's there's a shit ton that happens in the first. Oh, for sure. No, I just meant in terms of character development. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like that's yeah. yeah. It's not like he already knows that. It's like that's the one character. Everything else is just like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Sure. Anyway, Ozark, like a good show for a season and a half, and then sort of okay, and then not that great. Um, but Bo. But Bo. How, how does Bozark? Um, Instead of it being like a three-hour movie, it's like, you know how directors are always like, this is a 10-hour movie, it's not a TV show? Yeah. I feel like this is a six-hour show. A six, oh, sorry, a six-episode comedy Miniseries that just happened to be a movie. 
That is also probably true. Yeah, I had a. I could. I didn't really like this movie. Um, I'm just going to start off from that perspective. I did not have a fun time. I was alone in the theater. That was interesting. Mm. Um, it was. It was funny because I. I showed up and I was like, "Oh my god, I'm going to be late. Oh my god, I'm going to be late." I was right on time. As long as this movie starts with mm. complete darkness and him being born, right? Yes, I didn't, I didn't miss a scene before that. Right. So I walked no. into the theater, pitch fucking black. And I was like, oh, shit, I can't find my seat. I don't even know. I can't even see the seats. Like, I like there, I, there's probably all these people staring at me. And then he gets born and the theater is flooded with light. I'm like, oh, I'm alone in here. I can sit wherever the fuck I want. <laughs> um, <laughs> so that was cool. But yeah, I um I was really looking forward to this movie. When I watched the trailer uh, and that Super Tramp song started and it shows all the madness, I was like this is going to be awesome. I thought it was going to be like a very subjective, over the top like nightmare escape uh, uncut gems or something. You know, like I Is it just, not? It's not. This movie is slow as Fuck. This movie gets mm, mired yeah. down in every single thing that it does. It has three clever ideas that could make an interesting 90 to t- t- minute to two hour movie. And it stretches those motherfuckers like chewing gum out of the mouth of a coma victim until they <laughs> fall under their own weight. And I was not here for it. I did not enjoy a second of this movie past. Jesus. Like the point when he gets hit by a van. Um, okay, yeah. to be fair, that the first uh, act or whatever you want to call it is the best part of the movie by far. Yeah, because like, I... in terms of like you know putting you in the mindset of someone who has like a fucking anxiety disorder, looking outside and seeing people just murdering each other and screaming at each other, like I could get on board with that. But then when he gets like trapped by this weird family and they're like being all weird and shit i was just like okay all right it was a little bit mad libs yeah it was like it was like a person who had a really great first act but then was like oh shit now i gotta come up with the rest of this and i was expecting like his childhood to be incorporated more and i guess it kind of does but not until like deep into the movie like i was expecting it to be all like wound together and so it just felt very disjointed and weird and like around the time that we get what felt like a 40 minute sequence of a disembodied narrator's voice talking him through these kind of like very cool concept art like cardboard backgrounds. Was it 40 minutes? I don't think it was but it felt very very no. long. But it it felt like been. a dream it's ballet a to me. It, it was his whole movie. life. <laughs> yeah. It's a three fucking hour long movie and that was like the middle third of it. So like it could be 40 minutes long for all I know. Yeah. But like, yeah, I don't know, man. It was just like this movie was hard to get through. And then I kept saying mm-hmm. to myself like, pay attention, watch. We're going to get to the end. There's going to be a thing that happens and it's going to tie everything together in a way that's going to be really interesting. And then we get to that part, and I it was so dull and so overlong, and I was just like, just end already. And then it did, and then I still stayed as the as the seats cleared. Um, I said obliquely, um, hoping that something else would happen because I still wanted the movie to work because I loved Midsummer, I liked Hereditary. I don't know, maybe swap those. I have very strong, positive opinions about both of Ari Aster's previous films. And this one, I was just like, 
wow, this is a huge swing and a miss for me. Yeah. So now, you know what yeah. it kind of reminded me of? Yeah. Yeah. You, you, you ever see uh, Fellini's uh, Satyricon? Or like, um, it kind of reminded me of that, just in that it's just these vignettes, you know, they're sort of, uh, there's like a dream logic to to all his peregrinations and everywhere that he's going. Um, only in that it was like trying to echo this like ancient Roman novel that huge chunks were missing from. <laughs> and it also wasn't three hours long. Um, but yeah, just in terms of this like sort of odyssey of just incident of nothing really happening i've kind of felt like pure ginty too it, it was weird yeah Kafka obviously is what he was going with i mean that's just can you think of like a more abused uh eponymous adjective than than kafka-esque yeah <laughs> <laughs> it's like yeah. <laughs> yeah agree with you on that one i don't know i guess i'm the sole defender of this movie but I don't disagree with, you know, a lot of the critiques of it. Um, I definitely think that when he gets to the household where he lives with Amy Ryan and uh, Nathan Lane and their married couple who sort of like, who are sort of like the misery people, <laughs> you know, like, like yeah. I kind of thought it was going to be that kind of situation. And it is to some degree. Um, and there's the, he's like in his daughter's room and the daughter is, this like miserable, abusive teenager who's obsessed with K-pop and then forces him to smoke drugs. And it's just like, I kind of thought it was going to go somewhere. I, I thought that those plot elements like had a larger, um, and like maybe he, maybe Esther was, um, what's the word? Uh, oh my God. Foreshadowing something like, did this family have yeah. anything to do with Wasserton? You know, because at some point, Amy yeah, Ryan. But... Yeah, yeah, go ahead. <laughs> that note. Yeah, that note that she gives him, right? She she slides him like a napkin that says, stop yeah. implicating yourself. There, there's there's some some notion that she's in cahoots with him. Yeah, it's just very. Or, or with her, I guess. Yeah. I feel like we should go into spoilers because it's hard to talk about this movie without kind of where without, it all goes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. So the spoiler it is feels, it just feels <laughs> weird to talk spoilers like this early on, but like I guess there is. I don't know. It's just But yeah, like what else are we going to do? I have no idea. I feel like <laughs> it's hard to talk about the movie because it's, it's framed as this I have to get home. Uh I have to see my mother buried. You know, this is her one stipulation and, and in Judaism, you have to be buried like very very quickly after somebody passes away. Um and so he is going to go visit his mother and there's all these complications. Um, you know, he almost misses his flight. There's a lot of sort of hallucinogen, hallucinatory experiences, not literally hallucinatory, but like the tone of the film is like, as you said, dream logic. So all of these really odd things happen. Like someone steals the keys out of his door. He can't leave the house. Um, it, he has to take his pills, but the pills have to be taken with water. If they don't, he could die. And there's all these, um, things that sort of pile on that become these major obstacles for to him to go visit his mother on the anniversary of his father's death. Um, and then he finds out that his mother died by a chandelier falling and decapitating her. And then he has to make his way to his mother's house. And again, it, it becomes this like, uh, you know, Odyssean situation where he just keeps getting sort of taken off course essentially uh, before he can hit his mother's house. 
and then so we're kind of watching this all go by <laughs> and the whole time I'm like there's no way his mother is actually dead like I don't bu- I don't buy that she's dead and I think it's actually because everyone kept saying how great Patty Lupone was in this movie and I hadn't seen her yet <laughs> so you only heard like, her voice yeah yeah and and uh Zoe Lister Jones plays her as a young woman and I think she's great I oh, think you that's mean a that Moscato what Fawn Moscato who is that? You, okay, you're clearly not a New Girl fan. Absolutely not. What do you mean? I hate that show. No, New Girl oh, is incredible. New Girl's good. New Girl's what? Good. New Girl's great. Uh, I watched the first two seasons. I hated the friends. They're the, all just bad. Which friends? The boys? Um, the you know bangs has a friend and she's so annoying and cc the... you didn't like cc yeah cc's the worst wow didn't realize you were racist no she's just <laughs> annoying she didn't get to those cc winston mess arounds oh the classic oh, no, cc winston mess arounds <laughs> ew when, when everyone in that show gets more goofy the show gets a lot better but you know yeah. you've got to get to the point where they've broken through all their walls and such anyway so i, I like plays... uh, the, the the grumpy one that she sort of is always dancing around the will they won't they guy nick oh nick yeah he's nick good. Is the best yeah the internet fell in love with nick um, yeah he's good but yeah i don't like that show zoe lister jones is great in this movie she's uh, fond moscato parker posey's great in this movie parker posey's <laughs> we'll not fond moscato actually parker posey was a new girl too she was the uh over the hill shot girl yes that's oh, right interesting yeah well At schmidt's relaunch party so I just kept thinking this bitch isn't dead. And also there was something really <laughs> there was something really odd about Richard Kind's um interactions with Bo, where he's just like, You better get here because we're all sitting, you know, over your mom's dead body just waiting for you. It was just like, no, this woman is waiting for her to see how long it would take her son to get home post-mortem. It was just it was like such a manipulative ploy yep. yeah i'm also not used to richard kind being mean that's really i know he's usually such a doof right he's he's fucking bing bong you know he's the stuttering <laughs> yeah. uh jockey agent from luck you know he's he's not this man <laughs> wasn't he on um city spin city Ooh, spin city spin thank city. you yeah that's what i know him from but anyway so i just i some i knew something was funky the whole time but He's yeah. great in that episode of Documentary Now that's making fun of a company. Yeah. At the yeah. co-op. Anyway. Um, <laughs> he's the doorman, but, right? Yeah. And, he's got the song that he like can barely get through because he right. doesn't know how to control his breathing. I'm going to complain about one more thing, which is... But you're the positive one. Bo, okay. Yeah, I'm just getting all my kishkas out. Okay, so, yeah, get them kishkas <laughs> out. You got to... You know, really work them out. <laughs> so Bo gets home. No, I this is me being anti Ari Aster's like marketing of this movie. So Bo mm. gets home, he finally gets his like mother's, you know, gigantic mansion, and he's missed the the service. And he walks in and his mother has an open casket. Open casket. Yeah. I'm sorry, that's <laughs> Jews don't do this. Number one. Number two, they certainly wouldn't do it if the person was beheaded. And I get it's a it's a visual gag. I understand why they do it and they have to show something. But again, it's like, stop undercutting your own branding, Ari Aster. Mm. Yeah. 
that and and the, referring to uh, you know the his father's uh, anniversary instead of a yard site. You know, there are all these yeah, sorts of yeah. things. And it's interesting because A twenty four, I I feel like does a really good job by Jewish material and like not being didactic with it, not you know mm-hmm. going out of gems. its way to explain it. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. uncut gems, the uncut most gems. Jewish film of all times. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely up there. Um, what's funny is that like you all like came in hot saying like, oh, this is a Jewish movie. And I'm like, is it? No, we're, but we're no, not, not saying it, but we're saying it's very, it's shallow. Like that's literally right. it how. Is super shallow. Like the patient, yeah. the patient was The patient is Jewish. deep. Yeah. The patient is deep. It goes deep in the Judaism. I mean, it's Steve got. Steve Carell says got, the Kaddish. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He's got dreams about the Holocaust. Yeah. There was that whole I you know how much googling I had to do to try to understand what the fuck was up with his like sister or his um daughter-in-law with the yeah. plastic silverware? Oh. And I was like what the yeah. fuck is the, this? And luckily like plastic, three episodes the later they explained it. Yeah. Yeah. The ice cream I felt was and I would actually lo- love your take on this as as someone who who might not have recognized it but you know obviously there's that pivotal moment um where um his wife who's a reformed cantor uh is serving ice cream to the non-orthodox uh, kids, mm-hmm. and they, mm-hmm. it, Steve Carell and the son who is orthodox exchange a look, and it's never really explained what's going on there. But did you know what was going on there? Brian? I could, yeah, I could tell. I picked up on that gotcha. one, and like you know, I could tell there was a tension because of like the silverware thing, and I just mm. you know, I could I could get things like that, and it was also just like the the ice cream thing. Even if I didn't know what the the religious reason was, I could I have had those moments with my parents where I'm like, you know, my daughter's like, can I have this like snack? And it was like a pretzel covered in like frosting or something. And I was like, <laughs> no, we're about to leave and I need you to sleep in the car. And then like my mother was like, just let her have it. Cora, go eat that. And I'm like, are you fucking kidding me, mom? No. Are you undercutting no. me with my fucking kid? <laughs> Like I'm, and I was like fucking furious. I was like, "Do not do that, especially in front of me." Like, if she goes to you and you don't know that she asked me first, that's fine. But you saw me say no, so like I was able to jump on that. But I also figured that it might have something to do with the other thing. But also, you don't punish the Orthodox children (laughs) by letting them see their cousins eat ice cream and then they just sit there looking sad. Like that's fucked. Well, no, because yeah. I'm sure on some level it's like, you know, you have to get down amongst the singer, the sinners and be better than them. Otherwise, like, you're not actually living like a, a godly life, right? Like, you can't mm. just siphon off. You got to I, – I think it was – I think, oddly, it was the NBC television show Homicide Life on the Street where Andre <laughs> Brower's detective Frank Pemberton says, um, you know, uh, virtue – has to smash up against vice and overcome it. Otherwise it's like just hypocrisy or something. Like if you don't test it, then it's not real. Well, isn't that Jesus whole thing is that Satan tested him or something. I mean, Satan definitely did test him. Uh, not I don't tested know if that's him. his whole thing, but. <laughs> oh, his whole thing is that he looked into the face of temptation. He said, not today. Yeah, it happens a bunch. Like, this, yeah. Satan comes and is like, hey, look, you could, you know, fall off this mountain and God will save you. Like, you know, tell the sun to rise, turn these rocks into bread. And Jesus is like, that's not what I'm here for, man. And then we just had Easter a couple weeks ago. And, like, the big part in that is Jesus looking around and being like, are we fucking positive that it has to be me and that I have to do this? And, yeah, it's a big part of it is him having the ability to escape but choosing to go through with it. That's is, the whole thing with Harry Potter. I will take your word for that. I did not – I have not watched those movies or read those books. 
Okay, you never start with watch those movies. <laughs> like, are I you serious? Played, well, I haven't played the video game either, but I am looking forward to it because it looks fun as fuck. <laughs> All right, don't get canceled, man. I look if if I'm gonna get canceled for anything and it ends up being Harry Potter, which is something again that I have, <laughs> I have barely interacted with. All these thirty somethings calling you out. That would be so <laughs> annoying. It's like I've written how many like thousands of words praising like uh, dragged across concrete and brawl in cell block ninety nine, <laughs> and I loved Hacksaw Ridge, but I'm gonna get canceled because of Harry Potter. Oh my god! Oh god! That I would, know it's that would like, annoy the shit out of me. <laughs> I'd be like, it That's almost it. gives me this perverse pleasure to be like, yeah, the Patriots a great movie. <laughs> the, Sorry. <laughs> from the director of Independence Day comes this incredibly awkward historical epic, starring everybody's favorite, you know, Holocaust denier, insane whatever. man. Yeah. Ugh. And last, last, so um. Yeah, what were we talking okay. about? Okay, <laughs> so we talked. We're talking about Boa's Afraid. <laughs> oh, one of my favorite. One. So at, talking about Boa's Afraid, there's the the actor who plays Teen Bo. He is credited as yes. Yeah, one the, of my favorite. AI. <laughs> one of my favorite things was people discovering that he was a real human boy. It being right. like, I thought this is a computer generated DH'd. Like you, and even even seeing him on the red carpet, people were like, "No, that's not a real person." Oh my God, it felt so specifically weird and kind of mean. But it was the same thing with Hereditary right now, right? Yeah. In, in the movie, it just he really does. He looks unreal. It's very strange. I don't know if they like did a filter on him or something, but it's very odd. Yeah, it's something with the sheen of of like how his skin is. I feel like, especially like, with red. Sorry, well, I, was, <laughs> I was gonna say the lighting on that that boat it's a boat right yes yeah yeah it's, it's very like it's a you know. ship of excuse you <laughs> <laughs> wow. on that vessel um <laughs> it's a very unreal lighting and i think the way that the that everything's laid out is also similarly like strange so it, there's an unreality to it and there's an unreality to this whole movie to everything yeah I mean, we could get to the ultimate twist of what's in the attic. But. Yeah. Oh, my God. Oh, is that okay, the so, twist? <laughs> so, did you... We keep talking about so much television, much of it from FX. Did you guys ever watch Man Seeking Woman? Yes. No, but I know that it has a sort of hyper-real quality to it. Right. There's a penis monster. There, and there's also oh. a penis monster. And so that's the thing, is I was watching this movie, and I kept thinking... I really thought this was going to be like Man Seeking Woman. Because Man Seeking Woman was all about, what if we take your impressions or your ideas or like what it feels like and we make it real? Yeah. So, for instance, this guy gets dumped and then he goes to a party and they're like, oh, hey, your ex is here with her new boyfriend. And her new boyfriend is the still alive and ancient Adolf Hitler. Oh. And he's like oh my God, that's like the worst human being on earth. But everyone else is like, no, that fucking guy, he's awesome. Like he played pickleball with us. He's like the best. And so it's like, you're looking at this person who's with your ex and you're like, this is a motherfucker and he deserves to die. And everyone else is like, no, he's actually a cool guy. And like, I kind of was expecting that from this movie. I was expecting like, this is what it feels like to have anxiety. This is what it feels like when your mom belittles you. This is, And instead it like, it tilted away from that and kind of kept moving back towards reality in a way that I thought really undercut whatever it might have been trying to do. It felt like it was stuck in this limbo 
where it should have just gone fucking way more haywire. Um, but yes, also there's a giant penis monster in Man Seeking Woman, <laughs> and there's also a giant penis monster in this movie. I was more confused. But I was less confused of the, by the penis monster and more confused by the other Joaquin Phoenix in the yeah. attic. <laughs> like, Well, that's a, that's a yeah. Treehouse of Horror episode. Exactly. It, that, that's <laughs> right? what I kept thinking. It's like, <laughs> you're feeding him like bucket fulls of fish um, <laughs> but then i was like is this is that really his twin like what are we seeing or or maybe he's seeing a hallucinized if that's a word version of himself living up there because at first you're like oh that's joaquin phoenix's dad right well yeah but you the know- dad was the penis monster right hallucinated that's the word no i know that but what i'm saying was like there's there's some playfulness happening with the imagery. And so at first you're like, he gets up there, he, he sees himself and you're like, Oh, that's his father. But then it's like, you know, it becomes this like weird Freudian thing. And then it gets ultra weird Freudian once you realize the penis is his father. But then I just still kept going back to the quote unquote twin or the doppelganger. Like who was that? Was that his father in a, in another form that he just conjured in his mind? Well, he keeps on having that memory of of the bath time. And, you know, that's, you know, all from his point of view. And so you're thinking that he's, like, remembering this, but, like, sort of having an out-of-body sort of a thing. Yeah. Um, And then I think what we're we're meant to believe is that that's actually his twin brother. He's – that subjective shot was actually just him seeing – Oh, yeah. Yeah, and he, oh, I didn't realize he that he was locked so in she... the attic because okay. he asked where his dad was, and so yeah, that's what I think was going on there. No, I think your your interpretation was that is probably a little less yeah. out there than mine. Yeah, that's definitely how I saw it. That that bearded, scared other bow was definitely. This is why I have to rewatch this damn movie. Like, no, I want to know. His dad was the penis monster. That fucking. No, I know. Cre- and also, God, you know, like I'm not trying to to shit on anyone's creativity, but between. Alex Garland and Ari Aster. Mm. If you if the if the finale of your movie involves just massive, huge genital imagery, just like take another pass at it. <laughs> like you know. I'm sorry, I didn't hear what you're saying because my husband was asking me about our McDonald's order. What are you getting from McDonald's? Uh. You know, dollar menu cheeseburger, we're splitting a nug, and we're getting a small fry. Wait, splitting a nug? Like a six-piece? No, like a ten-piece. Oh, okay. All right. That makes sense. Um, this is actually second dinner. Okay. <laughs> it's a long story. I'll take your word for it. Um, so wait, what What was your thesis? I, I, my thesis was, if you have written a script, and it involves a giant, you know, monstrous representation of genitals, uh, do it again. Yeah, yeah. Scrap, I, I, scrap yeah. those pages and try again. That's a you great, should have been his writing coach. That's a great, like, TK line moment, you know? Just like, yeah. the, like you know, uh, scratch pitch. This is bad. We'll throw it out later. It's a giant fucking penis but you with, know like, what? At the my, same mantis time, arms. Like, I, I loved that puppet. It was just a fun you moment. And your goddamn love of puppets are going to uh, be the yeah. end of me. I know. I So... The background on that one is that I also love the baby Annette puppet. Um, right. I don't know. Maybe I, again, it's like, it's a thing that hurts me, but I can't help myself. Just seems fun. 
I don't know. Well, PJ, you brought it up. What do you think of the penis monster? <laughs> um, I mean, I think at that point I was like, fine, sure, why not? Like you gave in because that was the moment I was like, fuck no. Like I had to surrender. Yeah. This is the point. This is what divides the men from the other men. There's those of us who, like me, look at it and go, no, absolutely fucking goddamn not. And the other people who go, Okay, Ari, fine. <laughs> yeah, because we're Jews and you're Catholic <laughs> and you're frightened of genitals. Am I? <laughs> I mean, I presume. You're probably like self-flagellating right now. I was about to say you're the ones who cut the foreskin off of penises, but I am also circumcised, so I have no idea. Yeah, to make that. them better. <laughs> we're all about dazzling the penis. <laughs> <laughs> just Robin's like we're trying to make them better. Have you seen them on? Yeah, <laughs> they're weird. Okay, can I tell my story? About Absolutely, this? you don't have to okay. give any other qualifiers. So I saw my first penis in preschool um, because very scared the, now. The children's bathroom or whatever where the, the kids peed, there were just two toilets in there, but no divider. So I remember seeing a little boy's penis, and I thought it was odd. Because I just kept thinking, I, I I remember coming home, I said to my mother, like, this boy had a very long belly button. <laughs> like, I don't understand why his belly button was so long. And then years later, you know, I've seen penises, I've seen circumcised penises. And of course, they have a unique shape or they're sculpted, interestingly. And they didn't really jive with that memory that I mm. had until I got to college. I got the internet which I did not have uh, up until that point. And of course I went on a Wikipedia spree of, of pretty much everything. And I looked up what an uncircumcised penis looks like on Wikipedia. And I was like, it all just clicked together. It just, that's what I saw was this long belly button. Mm. It's just, yeah. I talk about Freudian. Um, <laughs> and yet another tile has been laid in the rich mosaic of Robin's ass. <laughs> Yeah, I, I I personally have not seen many penises in general, but yeah, that was the only uncircumcised one for sure. Speaking of uh, Lars von Trier, uh, I'm pretty sure <laughs> the movie Nymphomaniac quadrupled the amount of penises that I'd ever seen in my life. Wow. I just don't see And then you penis. saw some HBO and that... No, the full dick on HBO is pretty rare, you know? It's been more frequent, I would say, in the past two years. I, I don't because they got a lot of shit from Game. Yeah, they're of trying to get they're trying to get uh, you know some equity there. Trying, yeah. yeah, I know it's just like inequity. <laughs> the next time we release a Game of Thrones that takes place purely in a pleasure house uh, and only women, we want to be able to point to all the other previous penises to cover ourselves. They're trying yeah. to make a penis cover, is what I'm saying. Um, <laughs> Speaking of HBO, Bill Hader was the UPS guy in this. I kept expecting yeah, that I, to pay I off. hated that when that was only in three-quarter profile. Because yeah. he, it, that's Ari Aster being like, I got Bill Hader, but I'm not even going to show you his whole face. It was very <laughs> air Michael Jordan. Mm, yes. <laughs> I was expecting Bill Hader to show up and be like, I'm your younger brother. I killed our mother. I don't know why. I was just like, you don't get Bill Hader to just be a UPS guy. Uh, but they fucking did. That's exactly what you do. If you're Ari Aster and you have yeah. unlimited resources, <laughs> <laughs> you, yeah. you would call a 24 unlimited. 
This movie was only made for like what thirty five million. It was still not that much. No, wasn't it like the most expensive one that they've ever made? Yeah, but that would be a lot. <laughs> I guess that's true. I guess that's true. But I guess not I guess what he has, you know, like right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, I guess what he has still around. Jesus, I don't think so. I think they bankrupted no. themselves. Uh, I think I think Detroit I, bankrupted them. Uh, oh right, oh, I remember that. Um, <laughs> I think what he has right now is up until this point was sort of unlimited goodwill um, from, you know, all these cool celebs. And, you know, I mean, I saw Martin Scorsese did like a talk with him before it uh, at, uh, at um, Lincoln square where I saw it and was evacuated Um, different (laughs) night. Um, And then like, I saw like a picture of him with like Nathan Fielder, but yeah, I I don't know. What, what do you, what do you both think is, how is this going to factor into his reputation going forward, knowing how polarizing it kind of is? <laughs> I think he'll make another great movie. I, I still liked it. I know a lot of people did like it, um, but obviously it's fairly controversial. So I think this goes into part of your question. Um, so this movie was made for $35 million, which is like not a lot of money, obviously. I mean, Air no. was made for like three times that, but the box office is five point seven. Now, normally you would say not so good, except it's still like it is doing fairly well for the indie box office, from what I understand. Like it's a it's a indie hit. Even though, yeah, it looks a little puny, like it's still made less than what Renfield or Are You There God made. I wonder how much of that uh, budget went into um, You'll Always Be My Baby. <laughs> yeah, probably. Good point. So my husband and I were talking about this because normally we find, normally sex scenes don't do much for either of us in movies. Like I I guess I'm such a prude that I end up like looking away when I watch people <laughs> kiss because I'm just like, this is making me uncomfortable. Um, like yesterday, my husband, we like went to a, a like a goth club you know, for fun with our friends. And I saw these like two people making out on the dance floor for a long time. And I was just like, <laughs> cringing. Like I was like actively cringing with my face. Just like, nobody wants to see that. Um, so maybe I just don't belong in the world. But, you know, don't typically like love scenes, romance, whatever. But I thought the sex scene in this movie was just hilarious. Just so well directed. And then, like, the third best twist of the movie happened as well. Uh, so I'll never forget that one. Do we want to talk about that? Like, are we... I don't, I don't know even know how we're talking about this movie, to be completely honest. Like, what? I, like, it's, it's... I mean, like, we're just kind of bouncing around. But, like, in talking about the it does. like... The, well, I mean, in talking... Yeah, that's kind of the problem. In talking about this, like, does anyone feel like they're getting a more full, complete picture of what this movie is saying? <laughs> Like I, I kind of hoped that I would come in here and and one of you would be like, well, you see, you know, for, moving from like if we were to look at this through the lens of Joyce's Finnegan's Wake, uh, you know, <laughs> c- c- like as a mirror inverse Ulyss- of Ulysses. Ulysses, you know, both Joyce's Ulysses and you know Homer, blah blah blah, like you know, but it's just like we just seem to be like, yeah, there's a penis monster, yeah, Patty Lapone is in this, like there's like what's going on, like where's the unified theory of always a I, mean, I don't it, know. Everything is borrowing from somewhere else. When he goes into that amphitheater at the end, he's being mm. judged, and it's like biblical and Greek mythos. And I mean, his like motorboat is still motoring, but it's stuck, and his feet are stuck. And 
I just liked again the dream logic of it. Sucks. <laughs> I'll tell you why I liked it because I often have dreams, and maybe this is very common. I often have dreams where I'm trying to get somewhere or I'm trying to get something done, and people are just getting in my fucking way about it, mm-hmm. and I can't, like, I can't, you know, I'm trying to read something and the words aren't making sense, or you know, I just everything I try to do is not working, and that's what I liked about this movie. No matter what he does. Something blows up in his face. He tries to get away. He tries to say no to drugs. He tries to <laughs> not get murdered. Like, and yet, you know, people are always just standing his way for no reason in the way that dream villains are like. Right. But like in it. And this, but what and does I that have, mean? I don't know. I have so many of those dreams. Right. And that's yeah. kind of the thing that annoyed me the most is that this felt like someone who never had one of those dreams Oh, please. Like, it just, there was just, what do you mean? Oh, please. (laughs) You're literally just saying the literal opposite of thing of what I just said, just to be an obstructionist. I don't feel like I'm being an obstructionist. I sat and watched this movie and was bored out of my mind. Um, I just, it just, it didn't, it didn't connect with me in the way those dreams do. Like there was, there is what I was saying earlier. It's like, there was too much reality. And what's funny is that when he's Mm. in the city, that that actually wasn't a problem for me. That scene where he has to run across the street to get the water because like, Good sequence. like you yeah. know, he takes the pill and I've had so many dreams like this where it's like you need all you need to do is like get some orange juice. And I'm like, OK, great. I've got orange juice in the fridge. And then I open the fridge. And I'm like, there's no fucking orange <laughs> juice in here. That's fine. I'll go to my neighbors. And then I like look outside and suddenly like every single one of my neighbors is just driven away at the same time. And I'm like, OK, well, I'll just <laughs> go to the I'll go to the, the gas station like three blocks away. But then, like, I'm on my way there, and a guy pulls up in a car, and he's like, holy shit, like, th- there's a storm coming. You got to get in. We got to get out of here. Like, and all I need is some orange juice, but it's just never going to happen. Like, there's always yeah. And so, like, the first section, he takes the pill, and it's funny because earlier in the shot, I even noted the fact that he had two empty water jugs on the mm-hmm. floor of his kitchen. So this is a man who, like, loves water, always has water. There's no water. And then there's no water in the tap. And actually, what I was expecting him to do was to take the tank, like the top off the tank of his toilet. Because oh. there's water in there. But then he didn't do that. Because sometimes in a dream, you don't think about the right thing to do. So he, he's like, got to go to the bodega. That would never have occurred to me. See, this is why. I, I guess I'm not disgustoid like you. It's the it's a train spot tank. Again. It's, there's nothing. What are you talking about, <laughs> disgustoid? Anyway. So, so. I don't even know what I'm saying. Now I'm like so offended by what Robin said. But so then he's got to go and then his debit card won't work, right? After he does his little sprint right. where he's got to jump over the dude who's murdering another guy and the guy who's just screaming next to him, please help me, please help me, please help me. And he's got to go past the dancing person and then he gets in there, right? And then he gets the water and he drinks it immediately. Either you shouldn't do that. It's very clearly a bad idea. And the second he did that, I was like, well, now he's not going to be able to pay for it. And clearly he wasn't able to pay for it. But what's great is he propped open the door because his keys were missing. Now, like, and it, in, a, in a hilarious way, because again, I was still on the movie side at this moment. Every fucking psychopath is just like, hey, this door's open. We're going to go in the door. And like, there's just a million of them. Where did they all come from? It was great. Yeah, and he's watching it. Great. And the guy's just like, uh, I'm going to call the cops on you. You still owe me 20 cents. And he's like, are you kidding me? Here, here's like a bunch of stuff. Here's the pennies. Here's this. And then he goes and he like gets there just in time to not be able to open the door. Like that was all great. That was all perfect yeah, dream logic. That was great. Yeah, you loved this movie. I Obviously. loved the first 
20 to 35 minutes. We all like the city part. Yeah. Yeah, we love the city. But then the second he shows up in that house, I'm like, these people are at once too weird, but this is also too real, and I don't Mm -hmm. know what it's doing anymore. And also with the passing of the notes and everything, like, it just, it started to become not calibrated right for me. I just didn't understand why the the Amy Ryan, uh, Nathan Lane couple were not that interested in getting him to where he needed to be. Like, I, you know, they, they sort of allude to how they're missing having a son because their son died in the war, et cetera. And then there's the, the son's, um, I don't know, call you like a war partner. Is that a word for it? The bubble to his gump <laughs> is there. And he's like clearly shell-shocked and, you know, a sort of parody of a, the soldier, you know, who has seen too much. It, it all just didn't really make sense. And I didn't understand the motivation of those characters to not to keep him there when they already had a surrogate son. I mean, maybe I'm looking mm. too into this. I mean, that's what it, it just... felt like to me, though. I, I was like, yeah, you've got his war buddy. Like, why? But then they also were like not putting him in his in Nate's room. Yeah. So it's like they're not trying to make him the new son even though like the daughter but that's how the daughter takes it yeah yeah Yeah. Yeah. so like there just felt like there was a lack of unity to the vision which like maybe that's the point is that like it is just weird and strange but like right that's you know how it's it is textbook cliche not interesting to hear about someone else's dream yeah oh no i i knew you were gonna say this I, i knew you were gonna go here Right. If you're going to turn a dream into a movie, you've got to adapt it to the medium of film and like remove some of the dream stuff and lean into other of the dream stuff. And so at that point in that house, it became very boring to hear about this person's dream. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like- I, that was the worst sequence to me. I think I even preferred the what I keep calling the dream ballet part because at least it was visually interesting and it was, you know, I like the parable vignette aspect to it and the animators who did the dream ballet which is it's not really a dream ballet but you know what i'm saying it's not even the, a ballet the, the, well yeah i know but that's the it's sort like of play yeah it's just because it takes place on a stage of it doesn't mean it's a ballet oh shut up <laughs> but you know what i mean it's sort of like it functions in like oklahoma, oklahoma yeah exactly like it, yeah, it, right. fun- it functions the exact same way and so uh, the animators who did that were the ones who did the wolf house which is an amazing film oh, yeah. if anybody's not seen it. Um, it's just this one of the most beautiful animated films I've ever seen. And maybe the most fascinating stop motion films I've ever seen. Um, so definitely, definitely check that one out because it the way that they use like practical effects and real life objects, like real life to scale objects um, to do the stop motion was just like incredible. Um, and they and you can sort of see them deploying some of those same skills here in the way that it looks sort of like a cartoon or a or a puppet a puppet set you know not puppets but like a puppet show set it's just really incredible yeah. um but again you know it, it's a it's the parable of the story of how he like has a family loses a family or maybe sees a vision of his life if he did not have, the anxieties or underlying sort of psychosexual issues with his mother. Like he, what he does in that scene is 
kind of live the life that he wished he had had in some ways by finding a partner, by having children. Um, I don't know. Maybe you're right. Maybe this movie is just meaningless. I don't care. Well, I still had a well, good time. I, mean, I think. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, I think at the end, they're really trying to wrap it up and sort of have it make sense. You know, we have this sort of trial um, where, you know, mm. what and I, I guess what's sort of being argued is that he is sort of the author of all his own uh, failures. And they're bringing up these different junctures where he could have done a different thing or, you know, this and that. And uh, just sort of I mean, that's sort of the Kafkaesque notion here is the trial you know you're on trial mm-hmm. what for what's going on here you know um are there's all these shadowy you know figures bureaucrats in this case a doctor who, or a lawyer who both thinks is a doctor for some reason who's the richard kind role yeah, yeah. Uh, dr cohen <laughs> dr cohen yeah um yeah so and and it's just we find out about the machinations of, of mona his mother and you know it's basically kind of defending your life in the end, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't seem like he really had much of a choice in a lot of these issues. Like, I don't think that he's someone who has a whole lot of agency and and could have made a lot of different decisions. And, and really that's some sort of failing uh, on his part. I don't know if you had a different read of that, but that sort of seemed like the effort to make it sort of cohere and, have like some sort of a takeaway and it just did not add up to anything for me. Well, you know, it becomes this sort of perennial, um, I mean, you know, guilt tripping, like we sort of alluded to is a, Mm. is a trope of Jewish culture. And it's also like, but it's also the irony or the, 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 you know, it's like, doesn't matter what you say, it's always going to get thrown back at you. So it's, Mm -hmm. you know, it becomes this Mm -hmm. thing of like, Oh, you're too fat. You know, somebody complains you're too fat, you're too fat. But then as soon as you come home, it's like, eat, 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 S and S and So it's, it's the, like, no, uh, no matter uh, what choice you make, it's always going to be turned against you. Right. This right. is how Robin uh, and I bonded. There's my Italian exactly. side and her <laughs> side, and they both kind of collided with one another. Uh, absolutely. Um, right. See, Jews don't have a monopoly on this. <laughs> no, they don't. <laughs> and all. like, Latina parents, like, it's a whole thing. Um, so... You know, I kind of saw that aspect to this film where it's like, it's a, you know, from Mona's perspective, her son's this like huge loser. Right. So no matter what she does to sort of get him pushed out of the nest, he's just always going to fail to thrive. Um, and I think the movie kind of alludes to like where he lives is owned by her company. Like mm. there's there's some... There's something about the the building that he lives in is like a Wasserton or sorry a Wasserman. Yeah, product. he definitely has the <laughs> he has he has the microwave and the microwaveable meals, uh, which yeah. um, have oh, like that uh-huh. insignia on it. Yeah, right. You, I, okay, I I noticed that. I was just like, I love that this meal is like Irish Hawaiian, and it's called yeah. Oh Yeah, <laughs> oh yeah, that yeah. was great. There was something very meow wolf about all of the background jokes and visual gags and yeah. the yeah. branding that's done in this because i don't know if you've ever been to like um I've seen oh my God, Me- omega mart but like that's the the whole thing of it um yeah so i did read some i think somewhere on twitter where someone is like you know 
the ultimate irony of Bo is afraid is that no Jewish mother would ever let her son live in such squalor. (laughs) I actually agreed with that one. (laughs) But it seemed like in that original picture, like it didn't used to be squalorful, squalorly. Squalorful. Squalid. It didn't used to be squalid. (laughs) Uh, What makes you say that? Because in the, in the photos at the end where he's like looking at the mother's life's work. Yeah. It looked like originally it was kind of like an okay place. Mm. Ejectus erectus or something. Yeah, even though in right. even <laughs> the, even the even in the yeah. the picture that was still there. <laughs> yeah, it, that's it's true. not even like when they do like the mock-ups of like this is how the plaza is going to look and like they remove that stuff even if they know it's <laughs> still going to be there. They were just like, you yeah. got to keep that fucking porn shop in there. <laughs> yeah, I I was much I was really interested in that city and the. Like, I don't know if this is like a dystopian society or just an amplification of our current society or something like that. But it was quite shocking, like uh, in the scene where people are like looking up on the building and somebody and we're like, we're trying to convince him to kill himself. Like, yeah. we're trying to get him to fall. And then the next shot is this like desiccated body that's just on the ground, like. And that body is the the same one that was in the pool. In the pool. Yeah. Yeah, On the cruise. Yeah. Which is like, okay. Again. What are we doing here? That's got to mean something, right? Like, what is the. And I kept waiting for the. I kept waiting for the the, uh, Kaiser Soze moment where it's like, oh, it was all on the whiteboard. It has no cohesive through line. It's, I think you're right. It's, it's a lot of ideas sort of crammed together. Um, I don't know, but it just, I liked it. I, I don't know. I was, for me, I was never bored because I just kept thinking like, what's next? What's next? What am I missing? Like not missing, but what, uh, but I, does I, everything mean something? Or does everything mean nothing? Or do we something? Maybe it all mean means nothing. But... <laughs> does a movie have to mean anything? If I if just I'm enjoyed there for the, three fucking hours. Yeah, if I enjoyed I the did. style and the form as much as I enjoyed the the text itself like does it really matter if it's just vibes you mean <laughs> yeah i guess yeah i think that there's one way to read it too where it's just like this is the story of a guy who who's never come and he needs to come this is <laughs> and that's true who's never come and, and he needs to come <laughs> exactly right i guess and, he's never come like not just that he's yeah. never had sex well that's he's why his come. balls are that's why she huge. dies and that's yeah. why she dies, I think. Yeah. I think that blasted through her. Yes. She, I think that that's say? what we're supposed to. What was to... that incredibly oh. gross line that she said? <laughs> Don't what, what? It was something like you busted that bag or something. Like she was talking oh. about how he like, oh, came so hard, he, like ripped through the condom. Oh, yeah. Right. <laughs> it was, if, I just imagine like if I were having sex with someone, first of all, go me. Um, second of all, <laughs> and they said. Something along the lines of like you busted that bag or I, like whatever she said, I was like, I would I would shrink to nothingness immediately. <laughs> you busted that bag. I guess the hilarity of that to me is there's no physical way you could even assess that. Like you don't how in the world would she know? I mean, I <sighs> like <laughs> I mean anatomically, there's no way to know. It's got to feel different, right? No, Getting, it don't. 
I can't even think of I'm like I'm like vacillating between too medical and too pornographic in what my brain is trying to say. Let's go clinical. You the When a man completes within you, you're telling me that you can't tell whether he's he's sacked up or not. Lord Almighty, uh, I have <laughs> I have not experienced sexual relations with those kinds of prophylactics. You okay? So I would have no idea. Well, we need to get. Uh, I am a married know. woman. <laughs> Correct. I am a married woman, and I have only ever had intimacy with one person. Oh, really? Yes. Good for you. Thank you. I wish I could say you're, that. You're a perfect woman. Oh, I feel like your perfect woman would be like a 34-year-old virgin. Uh, no, like that's that's kind of old to still be a virgin. I don't want to say like at that point I feel like there's a lot to live up to and there's got to be something wrong. But. <laughs> <laughs> I think, I you know, I don't know. Like there was this thing where people like, I, I don't know, men's rightsy kind of guys. Like, you know, these dating coaches who've clearly never been in a relationship. Yeah. But they yeah, were like, man. men want like debt-free virgins. And I was no, like, no, they're paying, you're paying some price, man. And I was like, you know, I, like a debt-free version would be fine, but like, I'll take debt-free and like only had one to three sexual partners. Like, Wait a minute. Well, you mean literal debt? Cause I was yeah, thinking like, like no debt. Like I was thinking like social me. debt. Like there's something. Oh like, no, not, you... not like, not like cost free <laughs> or like, you know, not, no, they mean like literally please don't come to me with like. Eighty dollars. If you had student loans. Okay, okay. Because I was thinking, like, if you're, you know, forty years old, like Bo, and you have not had relations with someone, like you, you, the partner, are going to pay some price, like whether it's to, you know, Eliza Doolittle them or something. Like you're, it doesn't come free. Yeah. No, no. They were literally talking, like, you know, don't don't have a shit ton of physical actual credit impacting debt okay yeah which like yeah i get behind i'm sure if if someone came up to me and was like your debt makes me concerned that like you're not doing things correctly or like you know i was i'd be like yeah i get it there was that whole there was a free credit report song about that (laughs) (laughs) yeah you're watching too much television you should just go my route i was like 15 years ago i don't think that those ads have not been on the air those ads (laughs) have been gone for a while those are gone um yeah i don't know that i'd want a mid-30s virgin that feels weird to me um but at the same time i wouldn't want to be like i'd prefer to have like a 22 year old virgin because that's weird in a whole different way true yeah i can't win is what i'm saying i'm gonna die alone um so so I don't know. So like that whole Elaine thing was very weird too. Cause like I thought it was hilarious. It was sort of funny, I guess. Oh, but this like, is a bitch eating crackers. But like why why did why did she work with the mom? Was the mom like keeping her on ice for him or was I think she was keeping track of her so that Bo could not look her up. Like I thought that the mom had her on the payroll to keep them controlled. Like a part, mm-hmm. right? Because because Bo said he would wait for her. So if right, so if he could never oh. find her, then it, it wouldn't happen, and he wouldn't die from coming. 
I mean, I don't think she actually believes that he would, but maybe, maybe as soon as he comes, he turns into a giant penis. Yeah, but he didn't. (laughs) That's true. I forgot. (laughs) Don't say that anymore. I'm sorry. That's that's what he did. She's the industry of the town that's named for her. So I guess anybody who doesn't get out sort of just ends up, you know, it's like the local firm or the local yeah. whatever. <laughs> the coal mine. Yeah, I was about yeah, to say exactly. it's a coal, the coal mine, mine the mill. Like... Yeah, exactly. Yeah, she's got a coal mine town. I wonder <laughs> if she has Mona Bucks and Wasser <laughs> <laughs> like Bucks. That. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I love how when he was describing what his mother looked like to to see if that was the woman who died. Oh yeah, it was, it was all like, face stuff. And the guy was got like, like reddish hair. Yeah. <laughs> like you don't know what color your mother's hair is. Not that it would have helped because her face was just yeah, didn't exist. yeah, just not there anymore. <laughs> just, what just do you mean? Was, she ha- what was it? What do you say? He she has no face and her head is missing. Yeah, yeah something like that. <laughs> Which again, God, I thought I, this movie I, was hilarious. I laughed at because they were. Still There's in some the good city. dialogue. Yeah. yeah. That if it had just know. stayed in the city, I feel like I I could have enjoyed the whole thing. I don't know. Yeah, I agree. I saw a really funny if he again another tweet where somebody was like, "You know what? This is the most fucked up thing that could happen to a person." And I was like, <laughs> "You know what? I agree." <laughs> but you know what would be funny actually is, I, and I kind of expected it at a certain point, even though I'd seen the trailer, so I knew other stuff happened. It seemed like he really wasn't going to leave the city. Like, it really seemed like the whole movie would be him yeah. escalating, just still trapped in his fucking house. Like, you know, mm-hmm. he, like, tries... He wakes up... I love the fact that his flight is at, like, 5.25 p.m. And he's still goddamn late for it because he slept <laughs> in until 3.30 in the afternoon. Yeah. Yeah. Like, that's messed up. Um and like again, like his his like weird abusive neighbor who kept accusing him of having mm-hmm. the music on, like all that was great. And I was like, okay, if he never is able to escape this city, this this movie's working. There's well. enough material. Yeah. 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 I agree. The level of and just like the escalation of like all these people broke into my apartment. Oh my god, they're all there, they're doing crazy shit, they're doing all this stuff. And then he like gets in, and one of them is like dead outside with his throat <laughs> bitten out. Yeah, because the, the recluse spider. <laughs> right, and then he gets in, and there's the guy like for whatever reason like ceiling. above above his bathtub I, on the ceiling, yeah. who's just still begging for help. And I'm just like, get out of the goddamn tub, you idiot! And then the spider's on his face, and he freaks out, yeah. and they just roll yeah. around for three minutes. Like, oh, that was great. <laughs> I liked that. And like I said, I like Ari Aster. Like, I'm on his level. I just, like, there's a point where this movie lost me. And then the penis monster shows up. And then I started actively rooting against it. I liked the beginning. And I liked when he finally got to his mother's house. Like, those were the, those were the quote unquote acts or whatever that worked the best for me. I was not, I, I felt like the, you know, being stuck inside the caretaker's home, it was a little too like I've seen this before. I've seen the sort of toxic helper thing before, and it kind of goes nowhere. And then they go into the woods with the orphans of the forest, and I, I was just like, you know, I'm so sick of people doing plays in forests. It's like we've all seen the the, <laughs> the fucking seagull. Okay, like let's move on. Station Eleven recently. <laughs> <Got to move. laughs> okay, okay, okay. I fucking hated Station Eleven. And so when he shows up and he gets found by that woman, her angelic... Okay, 
I am in love with angelic pregnant women in in fiction, okay? It's like my favorite mm-hmm. thing. It scratches the yeah, Catholic Yeah, you're itch. a Catholic. I know. I know. And so when she showed up, I was like, all right, cool. I'm on board. And then she shows up and like, we're a, we're a band of minstrels. We go and we make shows. And I was like, Station <laughs> Eleven. <laughs> Fuck, I hated that show. That show was so stupid. Every aspect of it annoyed the shit out of me. And now I have to deal with it in this movie. This is really the TV episode of the film station. This is the most TV mm-hmm. episode. Um, speaking of things that can be seen on TV, Peter Pan and Wendy on Disney+. Plus. Um, All right. <laughs> Gotta plug it. Have you guys seen the, the play um, Mr. Burns? And Oh, my yeah. God. Yeah. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Anna yeah. Post-electric. Yes, yes, the, yes. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Um, which is also to me like what Station Eleven was when I when I first learned what Station Eleven was. I was like, I didn't I see this play. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that was just another another element of I've seen enough people do theater in the forest. God, Station I'm, Eleven was so I'm bad. Good. I'm sorry, PJ. Did you like Station Eleven? <laughs> Uh, I thought it was okay. It kind of uh, lost me in in the beginning because I, I mean, I, I kind of imagined like, could there be like a worse scenario for me that is like kind of okay and attainable existence than being with a bunch of like theater kids, mm-hmm. <laughs> like surviving the apocalypse with with these you know these people who are just doing. Shakespeare and only rap. Shakespeare, like <laughs> yeah, a only fucking Shakespeare. bunch of morons. Yeah, exactly. Well, well, Mr. Burns, they're just doing the Cape Fear episode of The Simpsons. Yeah, and it becomes <laughs> like this giant game of telephone. Yeah, exactly. Throughout the generations, <laughs> yeah, it's not my favorite, but I, I kind of get why it's an interesting. Wait, concept. so what is this thing called, Mr. Burns? Oh uh, God, po- Lord. Mr. Burns, a post-electric play, and it's yeah, it, it's it's basically like. The first act is like the grid shuts down and uh, these people are just entertaining themselves by trying to remember this episode of The Simpsons. And then it sort of becomes they're just we follow those people when they like sort of make uh, a business out of just performing (laughs) the show. And then we find out that they're like rival ones and that they like, they need the script because like, that's the most accurate script and it ends (laughs) with like a shootout. And then like, it's the distant future where you get all these sort of masks and stuff. And it, it's um, just really, so I guess it's about storytelling and the way oral tradition kind of carries on. So carries on or gets distorted. So the distorted, thing, exactly. The thing that um, I was most intrigued by when I first heard of Station Eleven is there's a movie called Reign of Fire. Oh yes, with the Star Wars. Yeah, Sorry, and I'm, and I'm, it's yeah. it's a it's a I'm not going to say a great movie, but it's a great movie <laughs> where dragons come alive again. They come out of hibernation and they destroy the world and. There is a group of scared British people led by Christian Bale and Gerard Butler um, who are trying to keep a a small community alive. And when they are entertaining the kids, these two guys put on a play of Star Wars, uh, The Empire Strikes Back. And it's amazing. It's, It's in a movie that is fairly dumb um and very rote and pretty predictable it is a moment that is actually pretty interesting because if tomorrow all 
written and recorded things were destroyed. Those are the movies, unfortunately, that I think most people would be able to recreate from memory. Definitely those, like... British miners or whatever they were. Right. And so <laughs> when I'm accurate. watching Station Eleven and there's all these fucking people who are like, oh, the, 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 what are they called? Like the, the traveling troop of troubadours <laughs> is coming around the wheel. And it's been like 14 <laughs> years and they've already, anyway, they're like, oh, they're coming around the wheel again. We're going to get to watch Shakespeare. And I'm like, no, you fucking, God damn it. Like these people should be doing other things. You existed in the world before it like got destroyed. You're telling me that losing food security and watching everyone die made you love the bard more? Like you should be asking them like, "Hey, do you remember Iron Man 2?" Like, can we do that? <laughs> so you're saying that they're just too basic. It's so fucking basic. It is it is literally You know how people shit on rightly um Ready Player One, because they're like, mm-hmm. this fucking video game nerd wrote this entire stupid book that they turned into this stupid movie where the thing that he's obsessed with becomes the most important thing in the world. That is what Station Eleven is for people who didn't get laid until college <laughs> because they were not the hot theater nerds. They were right. the not hot yep. theater nerds. And right. so they fumblingly groped at one another in high school and then finally got drunk at a party and were able to lose their virginity. Like I will say our band nerds were like horny as fuck. Oh no. Band and no, orchestra always. kids got always down. Yeah. 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 Especially yeah. over the summers mm-hmm. when they did the traveling orchestra shit. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. We we do have to say though, in Station Eleven, it isn't just Shakespeare. It's also like an Amy Mann type person <laughs> and her like uh, you know, her her um sort of adult alternative music that Ugh. underscores the shows and a graphic novel that two people have read. Yeah. And like, right. that's I didn't what finish the yeah. show. So like maybe people will say like, well, you can't judge it if you didn't finish the show, but I gave up because it well, sucked. Um, around the time say, yeah. that I think David Cross showed up. <laughs> I was like, uh, I gotta go. <laughs> yeah. I was like, I'm done. I think I've seen enough. I can't give a shit enough about this to care. <laughs> so we went into a store at the mall today called like endangered hobbies and it was you know one of those like it's like hot topic but it's all anime and in the corner you know behind a behind a partition there are a bunch of folks which it looked like maybe it was a pokemon tournament or something and i just kept thinking like virgin alert like <laughs> there's just like a strong virgin vibe slash energy slash miasma in the air like as soon as you walked in um yeah and that's that's also Bo was afraid strong virgin air i i am glad it's virgin miasma that they mention how big his testicles were though because when they when we watch him get into that tub it felt like it was foreshadowing right that's the the crazy thing thing is that he's gonna turn his testicles i was like wow he's got a huge sack and then later on nathan lane's like Dude, your testes are like fucking huge, bro. Yeah, because he's about to turn into a giant penis. It's all so was that his fate? He would turn into the giant. penis? I think so. I he, think that's where we're going. To like that. Yeah. yeah. Oh, maybe. Maybe that's. Maybe his mother knew the uh, the curse of sexual compulsive disorder that ran in their family. <laughs> well, on what that do, note, what, is, what do we what do we think that it sy- symbolizes that the giant mantis armed penis killed the um. Very sensitively portrayed PTSD. (laughs) 
You reminded me of the monomaniacal yeah. shell yeah. shock. Yeah. Well, you remember in Get Out, there's lobotomized uh, like former uh, football yeah. player. He, he was giving That's me that, was, those yeah. sort of vibes. Yeah. I agree. <laughs> yeah. Not not the best. Not. And that's I another. Would say- that's yeah. another thing where like in that in that play that spoken word you know whatever that happened that i was sometimes interested in and sometimes almost fell asleep during <laughs> um they say like you like you will come across a village like decimated by plague and they will blame you and you will say it's not your fault but that will just make them hate you more and you'll escape and then they'll set a dog after you and this dog will <laughs> never stop and i was like Oh, it's like the soul. Yeah, it's all uh, like parable and metaphor and yada yeah. fucking. But yada. like only some of it. That's the part because it doesn't annoys. apply to him. It doesn't directly yeah. apply to him. A right, lot. and his like, wife he... looks sometimes like a man. <laughs> right, and and like and then I was like, oh, and his his mom's mom in that painting looks kind of like a man. Is that what we're talking about? Like it just kept right. getting harder and harder to. Yeah. yeah. And like again, maybe it's so complex that I need to watch it again. But like I tell you what, I'm not gonna watch it again, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> well, I'm gonna and I'm gonna take a lot of way out of it. Well, what in five years say? when you watch it again, I look forward to No, hearing... I'm gonna watch it again recently because we have a tradition of seeing Ari Aster movies with um our good friend Alex, and he was we weren't able to get together for this one. So now I'm going to put myself through that again so I can see it mm. from Alex's eyes. I am a martyr. And (laughs) (laughs) I do this for Alex's own good. Good for Alex. I am a Jewish mother. Aren't we all? I think (laughs) on that note, (laughs) is there any final thoughts? I was about to say, are you about to say we should wrap up? This is going to be the fastest, shortest episode we've had in three years. You're the one who was like, there's nothing to say about this movie. No, I said about TV. I, I didn't. I mean, I prefer to talk about TV, but like, I, I don't know. Is there really McDonald's. nothing else to say? This movie's <laughs> a three-hour-long symbolism-laden trip into the Freudian psyche of a mama's boy, and we really ran out of shit to say in an hour and a half. Most of which was spent talking about the patient, the leftovers, <laughs> Station Eleven, and something you're else. You're the that I one that's like you're the one that I there's no. <laughs> I'm You're sorry. the one that was like, there's nothing going on here, but a lot of like, you know, randomness. But I keep expecting you, Robin, who liked it, to to pull out some stuff that's good and say things. And... I fucking said it. <laughs> I said all the things that were good. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, I will say a good part of the movie going experience was these two bros who were just talking at full volume oh. throughout several trailers before the movie. And, and and not just like random conversation, but they were talking about like family stuff and I don't know, just serious shit. And so they weren't like, was, that movie looks great. They were like, mom got no, cancer. They, yeah, exactly. <laughs> And then I was just like in my, I was just like waiting for the moment to just be like, can you guys keep it down? Like I was really revving up. And then my husband turns to them and he's like, it's time to shut the fuck up now, (laughs) y'all. And then one of them goes, damn, (laughs) they weren't doing something wrong. And then my husband had a freak out for no reason. So that was another good part of the movie. Um, Yeah. I like Parker Posey. What else is there to say? Parker Posey's fun. 
like yeah. Parker yeah. Posey. I thought Nathan Lane and Amy Ryan did a good job. The performances, you know, you, you can never, yeah, you can't fault the performances, I don't think. I did like seeing I, Amy Ryan again. Well, I yeah. mean, that's a good, that's a, yeah, Pete, you're right. I mean, the performances are universally like doing what I think they're supposed to do. Yeah. <laughs> I, but like, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I wonder if they got the entire script or just like their parts of it. They're part of it. And they're like, oh, this is interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. And then like, or like, oh, what the fuck did I just say? So you're saying no one, <laughs> you're saying no one but Joaquin Phoenix knew about the Probably. penis monster. Yeah, maybe. And I don't Lock, know if he was Lock's trying to keep freak. that under wraps. So yeah. he was like penis monster. He perfect. is, yeah. yeah. Maybe, maybe the well, penis monster was like the baby Yoda of it. Like, you know, you know, they, they like didn't make any merchandise of it because they were keeping that. so. Under wraps. <laughs> I thought you were going to say maybe the penis monster is the friends we made along the way. Oh, I thought you were yeah, saying sure. like, yeah, it's always just puppetry is. is always better than CGI. <laughs> <laughs> Let me I ask you something. If you were attacking a very large penis with knives, would you stab the balls or the shaft? Oh, I would go for balls. the, I would go for the balls like he did. Interesting. Like what about the the, tip? the right way. I mean, like, because like when you're when you're when you're going to disable a, a human male, um, you mm-hmm. kick the balls, right? Because the balls yes. are sensitive. But I guess when I see a penis monster, I don't you assume that the level. I don't assume that the level of sensitivity is going to be the same. It wouldn't correspond, to right? I don't would. think that the balls are still as yeah. as much of a weak spot. So I would mm. go for the shaft because I'm thinking about like I would rather stab a dude in the chest than in the legs, you know? Hmm. Yeah, that's a good thought. Yeah. Well, what if the balls <laughs> were the balls of the pe- like where yeah. where the balls are located on this giant peace monster are also theoretically where a man's balls were, so. Maybe it still correlates. Right. So if it does correlate, then it's the right thing to do because, oh, my God, yeah. one knife to the testicle on something that big, it's bound to hurt like motherfucker. Yeah. But if it or doesn't maybe correlate. If it's so large that the nerves actually are desensitized because that sometimes happens when something's larger than it should be. True. It, it loses. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. I bet it gets clots on airplanes, too. <laughs> so you know you're you keep expecting me to sort of come out and give you all of these like i don't know theories or whatever i like the movie but i'm not going to sit here you know defending every single little thing like it's not um i don't feel like i need to be this apologist like we all okay. had feelings about it we talked about it i don't know i don't know if i have much more to say i just had a i felt like i was with the movie the whole time all right. And it's okay you weren't. I get well, in that, it. In that case, I forgive you. All right. <laughs> Thank you, Father, for I have sinned. It's forgive me, Father, for I have sinned. Whatever. <laughs> I mean, that's Thank further you. into that than Thank I could get you, into. Thank you, Daddy, so. for I have sinned. <laughs> no, what was the uh, I can't remember. There's there's like some sound on TikTok that's like, so it's it's not like I'm sorry, Daddy, I've been a bad girl. It's like, no, it's forgive me, Father, for I have sinned. Mm. you yeah to say even the sentence there's some sound on tiktok is uh look i i apologize for nothing have you not been fought have you are you aware i know i know uh i scroll it sometimes i i don't post did i yeah i lurk um did did, have you heard anything about cake gate no tell me more so so there's this woman, right? And she posts one of these videos and it's like 
you know, a lot of small business people on TikTok will post like bad experiences with customers to like get some sympathy mm -hmm. and support. And so she's like, I had the worst experience with the customer. She ordered a rainbow cake and blah, blah. And she's talking about how this woman was unhappy with the cake. And she's explaining like, you know, and I just had to tell her that like, you know, this is how we do it and blah, blah, blah. And this is what it is. And then, but then, but then the customer responded with pictures of this cake. And oh. the cake was fucking terrible looking. And then that caused other people to go and look at other cakes that this one has made. And so the the entire internet is like pouring over this woman's stuff because all of her cakes look miserable. People are pretty sure she's using box cake mix in mm -hmm. her bakery. That's very common, actually. I know, but That's like she makes a big deal about like, I use fresh good ingredients. That's why the cake is $80. And like, and, and TikTok is full of cake makers. And so all of them yeah. started making this rainbow cake to be like, look how fucking easy this is. Like, I can make this fucking rainbow cake in a second. What's this broad's problem? And it was just, it's been my favorite thing. The last two weeks have been incredible on TikTok, watching people uh, destroy this woman's cakes and show better cakes. Hmm. I've also gotten really into artisanal sourdough scoring. Of mm. course you fucking have. I know. I know, Robin. <laughs> I love that you say that and it feels like you hate me. <laughs> No, I, I say it with love. Like, of course you're that much of a loser. Didn't sound... PJ, did that sound like love? I am Mona. <laughs> Don't you understand? Well, I, it, it's a complicated dynamic, just like... Uh, I love with oh. pesticide. <laughs> That's how I care. Oh my god! Um, all right. Uh, Can I eat my McDonald's now? Yeah, PJ, did you? Oh, that's why you want to end this because <laughs> you're half a box of nugs. And your dollar yeah. menu cheeseburger or whatever. It's sitting there waiting for me. Can I ask you, it was a dollar menu, yeah. but like it was $3, right? I wasn't the one who picked it up, so I don't know. Okay, I, The dollar menu. I'm sorry, value menu. Value right, menu. it's not a dollar menu anymore. I used to be a dollar menu-naire, right? I would get all this stuff. Mm -hmm. It was a great, great thing. But now it's like they're one, two, three, like, you know, and it, like the, the one is like if you get a two-piece chicken nugget. Gotcha. Yeah, I I don't <clears throat> actually know because I, I if anyone's going to do the purchasing in the household for McDonald's, it is my husband. Um, <laughs> McDonald's and has I weirdly expensive recently. As I can understand that. Yeah, I I just I've never. We always order the same things. I always get the value menu cheeseburger. I've never had a like whatever McPounder, you know, in my life. It's just you know, it's just you always get the same thing. Yeah, that's kind of what I do. I, I got my go tos. Yeah. Like your um, once a year McDonald's or whatever. I mean, I get it more than once a year, but whatever. I did get it. This is my second time this year, actually. Oh my! I'm God. a bad baby. You're you are you're a bad bad baby. Um, mm -hmm. Do we care that Bo died at the end of this movie? Did he die, or was it like a symbolic death? Well, is anything in this movie actually happening? Also, exactly. Yeah, that's like the larger yeah. question. <laughs> yeah, but like, if it's not, like, what's the point? Like, what's the like? You know, you, you know, Jacob's ladder is the the fevered death dream of a dying man in Vietnam, right? Like, but like, uh, spoilers for Jacob. Spoiler alerts, Dick. <laughs> <laughs> um, Stay by Mark Forster is the, you know, crazy hallucinations of a man who's dying after his car crashes on the Brooklyn Bridge. But like, what's this movie? Like, what is if if this isn't real, then what's Bo up to? Is he just like having a bad reaction Wait, to anxiety medication? In his isn't room? that that? Well, I kind of thought that was what it was, too, because he was prescribed this. Again, it's like uh, Chekhov's. Yeah. 
uh, you know, Chekhov's, uh, oh my God, psychotropic or whatever. <laughs> so maybe that's what this whole thing was, but didn't, wait, did you reference um, the owl sto- short story just now? Oh, uh, the occurrence on Owl Creek Bridge. Thank you. I was yeah. thinking of mentioning it, but didn't. Yeah. <laughs> Why not? You know, the owl oh, thing, wow. I'm educated. <laughs> I, <laughs> I referenced two underseen obscure movies. Yeah, one starring well, I, Tim I, I, Robbins, the other starring Ryan Gosling, an obscure movie that's not the United States of Leland. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so it could be. I I think that is a valid thing, but I also think he sort of dies. This, if he, he indeed dies, it it it's this metaphysical death. Mm. Like he goes into this cave that's obviously like a vagina. Number yeah. one, he ends up in this amphitheater. His mother is sort of, what is she like, judging after her own death? Like, you know, it doesn't fucking matter. I don't know. Yeah. Well, I mean, if if we were to, like, uh, relate this to Tar or something, we're like, oh, when she falls down, does she die? And is the rest just sort of... I mean, oh, you're we, one of those. <laughs> it, well, no, I'm not. But well, no, but that's a truther. Would we say, oh, well, when he gets hit by the truck, he he's dead, and then the rest of it is just like. It is pretty yeah, I, weird that they're like. He asks if he's dead, and she says he's not, though. Oh that's well, true. you gotta believe your death hallucination. He also gets stabbed <laughs> after he's hit. True, 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 true. Oh, he did. Did he get stabbed? Oh, he did get stabbed after. Yeah, the, they I, they tell the, him like, yeah, the crazy dude came yeah. and like tried to. Or did he die from huffing whatever that drug was? He huffed a drug. Oh, did, it was like did he die from ingesting like. paint like the daughter? What, right. what is with Ari Aster and like household poisons? Like, like the turpentine, the, uh, the, the, the paint, you know. I was gonna say like, walnuts. <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> uh teenagers in these movies. Ari Aster loves to dose a blonde woman. He loves to so. kill teenagers. I mean, I mean who he also killed though? he killed Florence Pugh's sister. Mm. Oh, midsummer. Yeah, she killed herself and her parents, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah she fucking went out. Really after dark everybody. beginning of that. I know. Yeah, it's his such whole a thing. light movie. I, uh, right, exactly. God, this guy really does love grief, huh? <laughs> and he ra- made a true grief comedy this time around. True Grief is the lesser seen sequel to True Grit. <laughs> it all takes place at Rooster Cogburn's funeral. Burns funeral. Yeah. I like true grief. No, I like grief come. It's a grief come. Yeah. I'm going to trademark that. Don't steal it. I'm not. I would never think of it. I mean, leftovers is kind of like a grief come. Some parts of it, yeah. yeah. Especially later seasons. Anything having to do with Matt is definitely a grief come. Yeah. <laughs> all right, let's get out of here, brothers. That's the guy I was telling you about. Um, <laughs> all my leftover heads know what that's about. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, so PJ, any final thoughts? You can get the last word on Bo is Afraid. Yeah, Bo is Afraid is um, is two hours and 59 minutes. <laughs> you I knew know, you were going to say that. You, you know it was even con- do three hours. You know, oh, I was going to say, you know that that was contractually obligated. It's like, we cannot oh, do right. three hours. You can have yeah. two hours. Only score says he can get that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Looking um, forward to Killers of the Flower Moon, though I am upset that they released new stills. Mm. Let's spend the next 40 minutes talking about the fact that John Hillcoat is making a Blood Meridian movie. Mm. Yeah. 
That's got to that's got to be a long movie. Like if if that movie comes out and it's below like two hours, I will know that the studio has fucked with it incredibly. I always confuse Cormac McCarthy with Larry McMurtry. I'm always just like, <laughs> have you? Wait, I'm always just like, Brian, have, do you love the book <clears throat> Terms of Endearment too? <laughs> wow. Wow. Anyway. Larry McMurtry, Cormac McCarthy. That's, you know, I can't understand why you would mix those two dudes up. <laughs> it's just, I don't know. <laughs> Jesus Christ. All right. Um, so, yes, uh, PJ wraps us up by stating the length of Bo is Afraid. Yeah, okay. <laughs> well, Started this... with the log line and with the runtime. <laughs> mm-hmm. As it should be. Um, so that's it. That's all. Uh, this has been a grand expedition through Bo is Afraid. I hope that the people listening have taken something from it and that this has been worth your time. Um, yeah, that's it. Uh, Bo is Afraid, out in theaters now. Check it out. Um, Robin, what are we talking about next week? Are you there, God? It's me, Margaret. Interesting. I'm going to have to see if I can get out to see that one. You guys might be on your own. No. I don't know what to tell you about that. I have a very busy life. and Oh, I guess I'm chopped liver. <clears throat> yeah, you are. Um, I love chopped liver. Though. I wish we <laughs> talked about the covenant. Not as much as Portnoy. <laughs> uh, you would be surprised, my friend. <laughs> and it was not chopped liver. It was raw liver. It was. That's true. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, I might be able to see. Google that one, God. Daddy. It's what? Who are you calling Daddy? Are you calling me, Daddy? Like the collective Daddy. The Robin, I'm concerned daddy. about what's happening right now. The We're audience, Daddy. <laughs> okay, yeah. Um, love me, audience, Daddy. Uh, what was I going to say? I'm. I need to see the Covenant. I want to see the Covenant. Guy Ritchie's the Covenant. Excuse me. Ah, uh, um, not and- Noah's. No, <laughs> it's not Noah, isn't it? Moses who made the covenant? No, there was another one. There was like a the the Ark of the we'll Covenant go back to the is not the same. That was the covenant. No, there was another covenant that was like we're gonna do some shit. No, the, Noah, no, the Ark of the, the first covenant, covenant was Abraham. <laughs> right, the Ark of the Covenant is not Noah's Ark. I'm just gonna. If that's what you were thinking no. of, no, I'm the thinking. No, I'm not thinking of that. Like Noah also had a covenant with God, and that's the why rainbow he was, was the covenant. Yeah, and the Noahide laws, and yeah, the rainbow was the sign that oh, I'm not going to flood the world again. You God's know? covenant yeah. with Noah was a commitment to maintain <laughs> the inherent relationship between Creator and creation. That's right. Yeah, bitch. Okay. All right, all right, awesome. <laughs> I got you. Anyway, I know I want I want to see Guy Ritchie's The Covenant, um, because I. I like Guy Ritchie stuff. This is our most biblical episode yet. Uh, yeah, probably. Yeah, since Mother, at least. Mm. Good movie. Um, so that's all. Uh, we can Not find uh, we can be found on Twitter at Film Stage Show, Facebook the Film Stage Show, Emo's Podcast. You must feel your thoughts on Bo is Afraid at podcastfilmstage.com. And uh, don't forget to go to patreon.com slash filmstage show to give us your money. And don't forget to go to mubi.com slash filmstage for a free 30-day trial subscription to movie. And don't forget to look for the third season of the movie podcast uh, where you can listen to their thoughts on awesome needle drops uh, uh, wherever your podcast can be found. Um, so that's it. Let's tell the fine people at home where we can be found between now and the next time that we uh, talk about penis monsters. <laughs> we begin with our guest. PJ, where can people find you and your stuff online? 
Uh, you can find me at uh, forward.com, F-O-R-W-A-R-D. And uh, I think if you do a slash and uh, then just my name, uh, you can find me there. And uh, Do you have to do I'm like a dash on... between your first and your last name? Probably, something like that. Uh, Fiddle around also, with it, guys. You'll figure it out. <laughs> I'm still on Twitter and hope to get on Blue Sky or whatever the new thing is with uh, just my name. So it shouldn't be too hard to find. I was about to say, is this the part where we all start begging for Blue Sky invites? <laughs> right. Invite us, please. Did anyone ever <laughs> attempt to go on Mastodon? No, I'm waiting until everything's kosher. Very Jewish of you. Yeah. And in- until then, you will be eating with plastic forks and knives. Um, <laughs> hey. Is the Mastodon meatball kosher, the one they're trying to make? <laughs> <laughs> I, am, I am disturbed by the fact that apparently Blue Sky, their tweets are called skeets. Oh God! Have you, they were, have you heard that yeah. skeet skeet motherfucker? That's exactly well, it. <laughs> Who is Jack Dorsey? Does he not yeah. understand the world? Like, did like what the fuck? It feels like Elon's influence, but right. But on Mastodon, they were called toots. I mean, oh that's Christ! Like, right, like what the fuck is going? <laughs> they're gonna go to so yeah. We call ours cum shots. Uh, just... <laughs> Money shots. <laughs> and instead of retweeting it's called snowballing uh you can look that up on urban dictionary if you don't understand the joke i shan't <laughs> i'll tell you after we're done recording um All right. cool so yes uh if you have a blue sky invite uh give it to me uh but if you have two, give one to pj as well <laughs> um okay robin Barr, what about yourself uh you can find me on twitter for now at robin Bar R O B Y N B A H R. I'm also on Letterboxd, and you can sometimes find my writing at the Hollywood Reporter. Yeah, uh, I'm still on Twitter as well at Brian J. Rowan. Um, I'm not going to go to Blue Sky though. I'm going to start a Substack and I'm going to post notes. Um, <laughs> no, I'm not. I don't have the fucking time for that. Um, yeah, so Twitter Brian J. Rowan, Letterboxd Brian J. Rowan, Facebook, Instagram Brian J. Rowan, whatever, whatever, whatever. Um, you can also find my personal site, BrianJRowan.com. If you'd like to learn more about the whiskey I'm making, go to inkwellwhiskey.com. Um, go to thefilmstage.com, where I have a written review of David Lowry's uh, Peter Pan and Wendy, a movie that I gave a solid B. I- <laughs> I don't know. I, I write the review and then Jordan reads it and he's like, this sounds like a this to me. Does that sound uh, right? And I okay. just say, whatever you want, Jordan. I'm terrible with critics. Jordan, you're a solid B. <laughs> B for bro. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, you can also find every episode of this here podcast over at thefilmstage.com. So ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for joining us. Tune in next time. Cause you always be my baby <laughs> and we'll linger on. <laughs>